0: Mother! You <laughs> silly kid! What the f**k have you done?! enough! <laughs> no, no, no. You are f**king Never f-ing again! What well, are you coming out on a f**king job with me?! That is it! Honestly mother, that is the day's your last f**k stand that is! You're done!
1: Hello everyone and welcome to the next installment of the dna podcast got a fantastic podcast this one with roger bacon coming up an interview with roger and yeah an amazing interview about sort of the technical side about rig that he uses to good effect you're definitely going to be intrigued to find out this rig that he's been using has caught in many many big carp so I hope everyone is obviously safe and well and not too bored in lockdown at the moment. We're going to obviously try to do our utmost to keep you all entertained across our social media outlets, podcast and YouTube channel. So, yeah, what have I been up to? Well, to be honest, I've been at it. I have been at it. When, well, oh, how long ago was it now? On my, on my last rainbow trip, funny enough, with the gaffer, always going to be talking about rainbow. Of course, you know, rainbows, everything to me. <laughs> but, uh, you yeah, know, on the last rainbow trip, uh, when I was out with the gaffer Jace um, on the island, when I come home, the missus had got lonely for the week that I was out there with Jace. And she bought two ducks, which had been running around in the back garden. They were just basically roaming free. It was great at first when we had these two ducks. They were lovely. But let me tell you the amount of mess that two ducks can make in an area is oh my god, it is unbelievable. I mean we've not exactly got the biggest garden, but it's big enough, you know. I think it's well, because I've had to measure it now because of turf that I've got coming. Um it's about 90 square metres and these two ducks which have been amazing to have in a back garden have turned it into a hellhole, basically, there's no other words to describe it, the pair of them have wrecked the place, my missus loves to do things like this, not like prepare, like build a duck pen or anything like that, you know, she just got these two ducks off of her auntie that um, has got a duck farm and whatever, and uh, yeah, so we've had these two ducks roaming around. and They've been brilliant, but unfortunately, you know, the kids haven't been able to use the garden because these two ducks have overtaken it and just turned it upside down. Let me tell you, it was an absolute hellhole out there. And then it got overrun by bloody rats, which wasn't ideal either. So the two ducks have gone back to their aunties. They've put ringlets around them. We need to get this garden more prepared for children to play in as well as ducks, obviously. And I needed to get rid of these rats. So, yeah, I've been at it. You know, just before lockdown, I bought myself an air gun and rat poison and oh, you know, traps and this, that and the other. And you know, managed to get on top of the rat thing just, just pretty much before lockdown. But I'd had a shed at the bottom of the garden that I'd taken down. And the rats were living in that, so I've had had bonfires on the go and I've had to turn the garden upside down. I've had to take mud out of the front garden and take it to the back garden to fill up the bomb holes that them two bloody ducks had made. And I've been at it at the house, let me tell you. But... Yeah, started to get on top of things now. And there's so much wildlife in the garden now. It's mental to see all the birds out there. Where I've I've had to dig the whole thing up with just a spade and a fork. And where I've churned the whole garden over yeah the birds and that that we're getting in the mornings is incredible i'm, I'm sort of looking out the window at the minute now seeing so there's a couple of blackbirds out there and robins and you know we're in quite a built-up area here but to be honest the wildlife is um yeah it's amazing to see to be honest with you so that's what i've been up to i've been digging me life away in the front and back garden all day as well as chipping away at a rainbow edit and um. And the Crete Lake stuff as well. So we will have stuff for you guys. I'm sure when people start running out of stuff, we'll have stuff to post out. And yeah, how long is this lockdown going to go on for? To be honest, we're not going to see a May, are we? You know, we've. I I very much doubt. We won't be allowed out until sort of June, I'm thinking. But I don't know what all you you guys' thoughts are on it. And hopefully, yeah, you're not bored either. I'd love to invite you around to my house to do some digging, if you'd like, to be honest with you. But obviously, in the lockdown situation, that's never going to happen. But yeah, I've been, I've been busy doing house bits. And uh, yeah, that's what I've been up to sort of thing. So not too exciting on the fishing front, to be honest with you. So let's jump straight into this interview. I'm sure you're all going to enjoy this with Roger Bacon. So welcome to the podcast, Roger Bacon. Um, am I right in saying that? That is your name. Is that right? Roger Bacon? Or... <laughs> um,
2: I did get, get asked this question You know, loads of times. The truth of the matter is, my nickname is Roger Bacon, um, yeah. of which everybody or anybody that knows me in the fishing world calls me Roger. My actual name's Paul, but he's only literally my mother and my wife call me Paul. So um, <laughs> <laughs> you can call me Paul if you want. You can <laughs> <one>. <laughs> Most people in the fishing world do, do, um, do, do call me Roger and, that, and that's what I mean. Right.
1: What's, the, I what's the people. story behind that then?
2: Well, it's it's not very interesting to be honest. It's oh. as simple as um, when I was in school, um, I was quite good at solo sports, running, athletics, them sort of things. I was in the um, the school cross country team, and one day while we was doing practice, um, I was coming past the checkpoint, and my PE teacher, who at the time I didn't know, was a bit of a gambler. Anyway, apparently on that day there was a horse called Roger Bacon. This would have been probably seventy eight. 76 78 Right. There was a horse running called Roger Bacon that he had some money on. And as I came past this checkpoint, he shouted, Come on, Roger. My best mate behind me went, Ah, Roger, Roger. And it's been Roger ever since.
1: Oh wow. God, it's amazing how we get these <laughs> nicknames, isn't it? <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. He literally has just stuck all, all those
1: years. It's crazy. Wicked. So you're you're a Manchester based um angler, uh, I mean, is there is there much for you to go out up there? I mean, how did it all sort of start for you, sort of thing? Because a lot, a lot of you guys up that side, up that end of the country, have got quite a good story behind your angling, sort of thing. So,
2: yeah, with with with, with my fishing, I mean, there's nobody, nobody in my family um, introduced me to fishing. I don't mm. even really know how. I, I think I just got, you know, when you're young, you get fishing basic, really basic fishing kit. I think back in the day it was like a, something from Woolworths. It was a yeah, yeah. cane rod and a, yeah. a couple of floats. And I got one of them for Christmas. And um springtime came and I just went out and, and, and started fishing. Um obviously liked it, clicked with it straight away and became became a fisherman, you know, a, a float angler. Yeah.
0: Um
2: which then, you know, just progressed. You know, you go float fishing, you see someone catch a tent, well that's a big fish, you start ledgering. And eventually after about probably when i was about 14 15 i started that was when i really started targeting first ledgering, um you know fishing for anything that come along with sweet corn mm. worm and what have you um and then you catch your first carp, and you're blown away by it even though it's probably only four or five pound and then um, from from then on you just you know i'm, I'm gonna target target car which you know being in the northwest at that time we're talking early 80s now yeah um there was probably, there wasn't a lot around and, you know, I, I think you've probably been fishing quite a long time and what, what was about in them days, carpenters were quite secretive in them days and, you know, if you used to walk on a, onto a water and say, is there any big fishing in here, mate, you just get the, the no answer. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah, so basically I went from from there, just fishing the local waters, um, you know, King George's Pool in Altrincham, which is a very, um, very well-known water that a lot of Northwest anglers have all fished um, when they were younger, um, and then just moving on to the waters around the area. Um, probably the more noticeable ones: Clifton Marina, Chalter Marina. I'm not sure if you are you familiar with any of the waters around. I'm not, like,
1: not, I'm not to be honest with you, but I'm sure a few of the listeners will be. To be fair, I mean, oh
2: yeah, yeah, the listeners will. I mean, Chalter Marina, Sail Marina, eventually Clifton. Um, clifton. clifton now and, i've
1: heard of that i've heard of clifton why would i have heard of that
2: well because it's still you probably still call it one of the one of the um, circuit waters in the northwest it's got you know it's got a low stock of fishing um, mm. it's got a very, fa- a very famous um, fish called the angry in there ah, that, mr um, angry
1: yes i have... mr angry yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So, a lot of the serious carp anglers in the area at one time or another the old, you know target mr angry
1: yeah is that um, a fish that you've caught yourself is it
2: do you know what i haven't actually not had that fish um i've had most or probably all the other fish in in that lake mm. i mean it has got quite a few new stock fish that have been put in there for the last over the last 10 years um but yeah mr angry is the only fish in that lake i have not caught and it's quite an old fish now. It's, mm. quite,
1: it's still going, uh, then, Mister com- Angry. Is, is, is he still yeah. about, Is he? Wow. Yes, yeah,
2: it's, it's it's still going. Still gets caught once or twice a year. Um, quite a predictable carp, actually. It, it o- normally always gets caught early May, and it always, well, so I've been led to believe it always shows quite well in the week leading up to it. Actually, right. you know, picking up a hook bait. Yeah.
0: Um,
2: so it is one of them things. You know, when I do think about the northwest area and, 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 and my fishing in particular. It's just something there inside me that says, you know, I really, I'd love to just catch Angry before it goes because, mm. you know, I've had such a long sort of association with with that fish and that lake, you know, from from the start of my fishing. So yeah, I would, I would love to catch it.
1: Yeah, I think I think most people um, when when Mister Angry comes up, they they almost associate Manchester with um, with with Mister Angry. Am I right that that fish does live in in Manchester? Is that right?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. It lives in Manchester. Spent some way in just a just a part lake. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, that's where it is. And when I um, from from sort of Clifton and the other um, waters that I fished, um, I think Smiths is probably another noticeable uh, Manchester water that a lot of the lads, um, the, the, you know, the the sort of famous sort of lads in the northwest. They both See That's actually where I met where I met Mark Holmes. Um, many many years ago that would have been the early 80s again
1: right right
2: yeah and smiths was one of those waters that the lads any of the lads that have spent any time on there but would, would, would agree with me that if you can catch fish consistently out of smiths then you could probably go most places in the country and and be quite successful because it was a very small water um you know and it's had all the problems that Smaller water would give you the fish tend to be quite cute these specific feeding times mm. there was no night fish there was no night fishing on there so no. you know as you probably find a lot of them water the first and last hour of of, of the times are allowed to fish tend to be quite productive yeah yeah um so yeah i really really enjoyed fishing smiths um it did teach me quite a lot that i went on and you know just just talked to my my general angling in the future
1: mm so i mean so so from some from sort of manchester and stuff i, I believe that you fish sort of darren Elstow, lynch hill i mean how was how was your sort of elstow days how did that how did that sort of come
2: about well what happened there was um once i left school there was me and um me and a friend of mine called andrew moholland and we, we we were fishing locally before we left school and We both said to each other you know as soon as we leave school we never had any intention on going to college or getting jobs we just wanted to live on a fishing lake yeah don't we Um, all (laughs) yeah exactly yeah so um when i did eventually you know when i left school um strange really because what i thought i was going to do i didn't i ended up meeting some another mate of mine called barry middleton and as soon as i'd left school he said he he told me about this place called darrenfin at the time i was not really familiar with there um, but he said you know I've got a car do you want to go down there so we went down there and this this was the you know the proper early days of yeah. Durham when I think it might have been leisure sport might have um, run it at the time right and yeah we went down there it was all the original you know the, the tip lake with all the original fishing that that, that made the Durham complex re- really famous yeah um, and yeah and, and we fished well I I like the big lake so we went down there I was fishing the big lake um, for quite a few years and that really introduced me to quite a lot of anglers that to this present day are fishery owners or bait, you know, they've got bait companies, you know, I met Zen down there, mm. um, Zen and Bodge Co, they were in, this was in the very early stages of mainline baits being developed. Yeah, yeah. Um You know, they were, they were um, testing out the original grains on there um, while I was fishing one winter and... Oh my god! They caught the amount of fish they caught. They really? caught, they caught loads of fish, and it wasn't. It was only the spring after that. Zen came up to me and said, "Oh, you know, um, I've got this company. It's mainline baits, and we're looking for field testers." And I thought, oh, I was thinking, well, the amount of baits I've seen you, you guys catch over this winter. And if you're offering me any sort of deal to get on the bait, then I just, I just jumped at it.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, and then really, I didn't really return back to the northwest for quite a few years because I. You know, I started to to get um, contacts for other lakes down south. Um, so yeah, so my fishing was sort of my northwest fishing was kind of cut quite short. Sure, and um, once I was introduced to Darren Elstow, you know, and and, and the waters that that I travelled to.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a longer way for you, isn't it? I mean, the, them 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 ponds. I mean, what what are you talking? Three hours? It's got to be a three hour oh. journey, surely? Maybe more. <laughs>
2: You got no chance of making it in three hours. And <laughs> yeah, four and a half. If you get a clear run, you'll do it in four and a half. Wow! Um, if you get stuck in traffic, it could be it could be six, seven, eight hours. I mean, this is this is back in the days when you used to get on the motorway at three, four in the morning, and, and you'd struggle to see a vehicle. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, now that's that's gone. Well, obviously, we're on lockdown now, but that's completely changed now. when mm. normal times, you get you get on the motorway and, and it's busy at any time of. Any time of the day.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, Your um, you're, you're time fishing on Elstow, I love Elstow, uh, in particular, the mother. Did you ever catch that one?
2: Yeah, well, it, it was it was Elstow pit <laughs> one that I was really, really interested in because at the time, sort of mid-80s, it was one of the premier premier waters in yeah, the country. Yeah. You'd never see, you know, in carp talk or angling times or mail, there was there was always pictures of Elstow fish. And um, I think everybody wanted a sicky for Elstow one at the time. Um, and then back, de- back then it was if you want to fish Elstow 1 you had to uh, pit 2 was a bit of a it was like a, um, you had to go and fish pit 2 before you got an invite to fish pit 1 pit right. one. so yeah. I was quite happy to do that so I, I went to pit 2 uh, you know obviously did a, quite a bit of research what fish were in there the mother the twin you know quite a few of the other fish it was it was really um, low stock at the time it has been restocked since and it's got you know quite a lot of fish in there now Um, But when I went to pit two, I think Teddy Hearn had just not long sort of pulled off there. He was fishing for the mother and um, he he didn't catch it. And he pulled off sort of saying, oh, you know, I've been on here for whatever amount of time and um, I've not seen the mother, obviously not caught it. Um, In my opinion, it it was gone, and, you know, why would we disbelieve So you, you know, is yeah, it exceptional ang-
0: yeah, <laughs> it's an exceptional, yeah. an exceptional
2: mm. angler, and, and if something's in the water, he normally catches it, so, I went there, with, the mother was, sort of off the target, you know, I thought, he's not there, obviously you've got the twin, and you've got some other really, really nice, yeah. big fish in there, mm. so I went there, you know, aiming to try and catch, to catch them, and, um, yeah, a, a couple of sessions down the line, I had a couple of bites, one evening, and, um, I caught this fish. I didn't even know. I thought it, it's big. I weighed it. It was forty-two pound. I had to get one of the locals over, and he said, "Oh my god, <laughs> I don't believe it! You've you've caught the mother. It's not been out for three and a half, three and a half years. We didn't even know it was still in here." Wow. So, so yeah, that was my first first forty. Um, god, what and, a fish
1: to have as your first forty pounder as well. Wow. Mega. Oh God.
2: Yeah, it was it, it, it was amazing. I mean that 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 the mother it was. Quite, quite weird really because you heard of carp hanging about with each other whenever it was seen previous to me catching it, it used to always be with this other fish called scaly mm. um and nobody had seen scaly for three years nobody had seen the mother for three years and yet the night i caught the mother i had the mother and scaly within an hour yeah. of each other
1: wow mega yeah. god what yeah. a <laughs> night that must have so, been yeah god. so they both went missing together and then they both appeared together Yeah, it
2: was, um, amazing.
1: Why do you yeah, think they went so long without capture? I don't
2: know, mate. I think you know, with with real low stock waters. I mean, it's quite a big lake pit too.
1: Um, how big is pit two? What well, sort of? I uh, uh, paint a picture for us. Out, you know, pit pit two. At um, most, pit don't.
2: two. It's. I would say it's about forty acres. Oh. Um, very deep. Mm. Yeah. Um,
1: What's what sort of depths have you got there?
2: Well, up until that time, it was by far the deepest lake that, I, that I'd targeted. And you've got depths up to, and you know, 30, 35 foot mm, deep. Mega. Um, and generally, the average depth is probably 20, 25 foot. It's not like it, it, it's not one of them waters where you've got quite a lot of, of shallow areas or, you know, let's say areas shallower than, than 15 foot. Mm. And, but you've got deep spots here or there. The general depth was deep. Um you know, so you had to really get your head around fishing deep water, which it, up until that time, I'd not really, i have not really fished many deep waters. So no. the first cast out and, and you're waiting for your lead to it at the bottom and it's like, oh my God, I'm not going <laughs> to not catch nothing down there. But yeah. you do, you do. So yeah, quite deep, quite well featured. Once you find the these these bars that come up from, I don't know, 30, 30, low 30s to, to mid-20s. Right.
0: Um
2: yeah um so that's it quite a hard lake to get around back in them days there was no paths it, it, it's a clay pit so if you get any sort of rain you've got to deal with clay on your wheel your wheel clay mm. on your feet um not a lot of anglers at the time because um, as i say it was it was it was quite low stock yeah so you was left to what i would call to really angle you know to, to I mean back in the day before Carp fishing was um, as popular as it was now. We used to call you used to call yourself a carp hunter. You don't hear the phrase very often anymore. Mm. But we used to call ourselves carp hunters. So we used to go and then start that style of fishing. It truly was like hunting. You had to, you know, obviously observe, look, try and track down, and eventually set your traps and and fish for. And again, it was one of them waters that even when you're blanking, struggling, you're still learning yeah a massive amount about yeah. you know, fish movements weathers um you know all, all aspects of fishing so yeah i really enjoyed my time on there and eventually i got offered um a pit one ticket which was a completely different sort of different animal altogether that was a lot more fish um and he was fishing predominantly he was fishing known features because pit one was again a really deep water mm. um but there's quite a lot of features in there you know mounds bars and you're just fishing the the pit one style which which then was three rods on a feature very tight hemp and corn spotted over it it was in the days when when fake corn first came about um and, and and you're fishing for multiple multiple hits which which you could have if you got it right it's great down there yeah, mega.
1: So that that just going back to that session where you caught the mother and Scaly, I mean, how did how did that sort of go from you? So so from the moment you got there, you know, paint us a picture of um of that sort of in session as such.
2: Well, if I can remember right, well, it was a long time. Ago,
1: yeah, um, obviously, yeah, if you can yeah, remember.
2: But it just it started off with um was fishing a peg called the decoy peg which you know there's, at the time there's probably about six six pegs on there that had names that everyone seemed to seems to fish so i started right. off in the decoy swim um in the main body of the lake now in springtime there's like a bit of a dog leg that comes off pit two um into a bay now that bay is shallower so obviously um you know as soon as springtime comes the fish do tend to yeah, move in yeah, there yeah. so I went down there with the idea of it wasn't quite springtime yet and i thought well what i'll do is i'll fish the decoy which is near the bay um it backs onto the bay and i'll just keep an eye on the bay while i am fishing the the decoy I'll, i'll get up in the middle of the night i'll listen to fish showing all the usual things and yeah it was during that session that i did see some fish um basking one afternoon in in the mouth of the bay and you know, that, that's all I was waiting for. I'd not seen a fish um all all sort of like winter, early spring up until that point. And I'd already made my mind up, keep an eye on the bay, and as soon as I see, you know, fish in there, I'll I'll move straight in there and concentrate my efforts in there for the rest of the spring. So yeah, that's that's exactly what I did. Um just moved into the bay quite it's not really a, a very exciting story, you know. I, I seen the fish in there. I moved into the bay, and then I think it was about 24 hours later, in the middle of the night, I, I had a couple of bites and turned out to be the bloody mother. The mother and scaler. I mean, I think most of the lads on the conflict, well, everyone was stunned because, you know, as far as everyone was concerned, everyone was, was convinced the mother had been ottered or died or right. just disappeared. right. Yeah. So, um, what a fish I carried off fishing of there. That, I, carried, I did carry off fishing there for, for a couple of years after until I got my pit one to try to catch the other big fish in there, which was the twin. Um, never had that fish, I had quite a few of the others, mm. and eventually, eventually moved on to pit onto pit one.
1: Right. Well, did tell ever go back after he realized that uh, <laughs> that that fish no, was still alive? No,
2: not, not as far as I know. No, right. not as far as I know, but I'm, I'm sure he must have been like, you know, um. As surprised as anybody else, probably more surprised than anybody else because, you know, he did put, you know, from, from what I can remember, he put quite a bit of time in there mm. to try to catch that fish. Mm. Yeah, but just, um, it was one of them ones that um, evaded it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Do you think... Um, do you, uh... Would you? Yeah. Would you? now You. You've got quite a fascination about rigs, etc. Was um? Do you think there was a, a there was a rig that you were using at the time that caught you? them fish? Do you think it was down to the rig, down to the bait, or just no, being there um, in general?
2: I think it was just being there in general. I yeah. mean, getting back to the question where you, where you said um, you know, why 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 would the why did the fish or why do I think the fish disappeared? It it, it could be as simple as it was never one of them fish that got caught really often you know it was a once a year fish mm. so when you when you're talking about them type of fishes you've only got to get hooked once a year and be and be lost and before you know it it's another year before that happens yeah. again yeah, yeah so you know there was quite a few snaggy snag areas on the lake there was people you know lads had lost fish over the course of you know a couple of years so i personally think it was more a case of It probably had been hooked. It was a very shy fish anyway. It probably Mm. had been hooked. It was the biggest fish in the lake. So, you know, if it decides it wants to give you a few problems while you're playing it, it probably Mm. could. Mm. So I think think it probably got hooked and lost one or more times during that period. Yeah. And, and 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 it was just just a simple case of the anglers being unlucky, really, more than the fish. Yeah, yeah. You know?
1: Now you hear stories of this all the time, don't you? Of fish that um that get caught once a year, but yet they're the biggest fish in the pond. Now, why you know why would you think that is? Because it, for it to be the biggest fish in the pond, it's got to be eating regularly. It's not going to be feeding once a year, obviously, when someone hooks it, etc. What what's your thoughts behind them type of fish on many venues across the country that only come out once a year what do you think that they're just natural feeding all the time and they just every now and then decide to you know eat our bait or what you know what's your thoughts behind that
2: oh, well my thoughts behind that is um, I just think I just think the 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 fish that don't get caught that often, I don't think they feed any less. They probably feed more. I just think them fish are just better at realizing the 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 um you know whenever they pick a hook bait bait up, they are just experts at. They know there's a chance when they're feeding on a baited area. I mean, this is my personal opinion.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, yeah, of course.
2: You know, they know there's a chance that when they're feeding on a baited area, um, there's going to be a trap there that might be waiting for them, and. I don't know, I kind of think they're just so confident at, well i don't I'm not bothered. I know there's gonna be a hook here somewhere, um, so I'll feed if I do pick the hook up, I believe they you know instantly you know i've 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 thought for many years that we only ever catch fish when when they make a big mistake, mm. you know what can make them fish make the mistake There's many factors, whether it's you know competition from other fish um um maybe mouth damage you tend to see that fish with really bad mouth damage you know they get called the mugs the mm. mugs in the lake mm. and i just think that's just a simple case of you know they're not it's like you know if if we've got hands you know if you take two or three fingers off your hands then you're not quite as good at tying your shoelaces
0: yeah and you yeah.
2: can't you can't do it quite as fast as, as as the man that that's that's got all these fingers so i think that when when, when fish are feeding you know you get these fish that have got the overslung mouth—we see that quite a lot mm. in in, in catfish, and you'll see a picture of a fish. It's a beautiful common mirror, whatever. It's got that classic overslung mouth, and it's amazing how many times you'll read, um, "Not been out for five years." Yeah, yeah. And as soon as somebody reads that to read that to me, it might be saying, oh, "Have you seen this fish?" I'd say, what, "What's its mouth like?" Oh, it's got an overslung mouth, and yeah. straight away that just adds up to me that yeah, well, mm. that's not one little bit su- surprising. They're just they're just excellent. I mean. If fish have got the ability to go on, to, to you know, to go into um, into silt and filter bloodworm from mud, sand, gravel, yeah. silt, then surely I believe as soon as you know they suck a rig in the mouth, then instantly they know what they know what they've done, yeah, and they've just got the ability to get rid of it. I think I think they, most of them feed with complete no caution, knowing that if they pick a hook up, I'll get rid of it, just like they've done. I don't know ten times this week, and you know, and w- with no problem, and they just they just get rid of it. I mean, it all comes down. That then takes you on to, on to rigs, mm. which mm. obviously um, you know I've done quite a bit of thinking and looking and observing when it comes to rigs, and I think the first time. Sort of thoughts on rigs really sparked was I was fishing a water up in the northwest, the place called Wireside. Again, another really popular yep. water along yeah, yeah, the northwest angle was a fish And we used to go when we used to fish on there. We, you know, you could go out and you could put your particle bait. You, you, you know, you could put that in by boat. So a lot of the lads, it was a, it was a very very common story. You'd go and put the hemp and all the bits and bobs out they'd get fish showing on them for two or three days and then they'd go back out in the boat and all the hemp has gone, yeah. all the, whatever they put out has gone. And it was it was such a common common thing and you know people scratching their heads and all oh, these carp are so clever and sussing the rigs and all the rest of it. And um, it wasn't until one session on our fish, a um, peg called the back-to-back peg. Now this peg was a corner peg and what you could do in the back-to-back, you could cast across to a tree line and um, you could walk around to this tree line, climb climb out onto a few branches, and you can see your rigs up there in about three, four foot of water, mm. gin clear, and obviously you, you, you'd put bait on it, and then you go back to your peg and, and wait for a bite. Anyway, one day while I was fishing it, I, I, I chucked out, and I went around to to bait up over my hook bait. And while I was there, I saw these six fish coming, so I froze. And I thought, I'll just, I'll just perch here on this branch, and I'll just see what these fish do now, um, you know, the reaction to the bait that I'd just yeah, yeah, um so they came along the tree line all in formation and literally as soon as the first one seen the bait, it was quite weird actually. It's a bit, it was actually like planes in formation. They just tilted to the side and they all came down exactly the same time and they just literally nose straight into all the bait and just started just started sucking, eating, just no no caution whatsoever. Mm. Um, straight down so obviously I'm perched there now and I can see my hook bait and I'm thinking oh god that one's that one's quite near it so it's getting closer and closer and sure enough one of them gets just above my hook bait sucks it in I'm about to jump out of the bloody tree and run back to my peg and, mm. and I just I just froze and it just sucked in and then just blew it straight out <laughs> oh, no. so I was like what? I can't believe it so I stayed there What? Over the course of the next probably 30, 40 minutes, they cleared the bait that I had thrown in, probably a kilo of bits and bobs and crumb boilies and mm. what have you, and they must have, all the fish there, the six fisher was watching, every single one of them at least sucked Michael bait in once. Some of them sucked it, probably two or three of them sucked wow. it in, three, four or five times. And again, the main thing I noticed was it didn't spook him. They weren't bothered. You know, most of the time they sucked it in and when they blew it out, they weren't, they weren't moving, you know, where, where the hook length tightens up and the, the hook gets pulled out of the fish's mouth. They weren't doing yeah. that. They yeah. were sucking in, and they were just blowing it out. And most of the time it was being blown out with, with, with no – the hook wasn't nicking. There was no trouble for them. Um, it was just being completely blown out. There was mm. one or two times that one particular fish did actually – suck it in, tried to blow it out it didn't, I'm assuming the hook just slightly got nicked and then it turned and, and uprighted and swam away from the area and as it did that the hook length straightened wow. and the rig just got pulled the hook, the rig just got pulled out of its mouth so obviously I'm sat there now thinking oh god what's the point in fishing, they're just taking the, the mick out of yeah, us yeah. go. we've got no chance but the the um one thing that I noticed with everything that happened was I could see I was at the time I was using just the standard standard knotless knot rig, um, you know, with a with a hair coming off the back of, mm. of the hook. Mm. And what I could see was happening was it was all being sucked in, and then when the fish were blowing it out, obviously the bait itself was the was the busy, was the biggest thing in its mouth, so that had the the most surface area. So the bait was leaving the mouth first, the hook was obviously following, um, but the hook was going out bend first, it wasn't coming out he wasn't coming out um, point first, it was bend first. So obviously I'm thinking, well, if the hook's coming out, being blown out, and it's coming out bend first, the chances of me hooking it are virtually non-existent. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, after about an hour, and probably, I don't even know, 20 suckings, um, I eventually hooked one, of them and and the rod tightened up, and I, and I caught a fish. But, you know, I left that session on the wire thinking, wow, that explains everything that the lads are saying about the baited areas further out in the lake, how the shows and mm. no bites. Mm. So you know, I went home scratching my head, thinking, you know, and, you know, the rigs are rubbish. Why do how, how do we ever catch a car Yeah, is, I'm, wasting, I'm wasting, my time.
1: Yeah.
2: Um. So yeah, so that was what really got me started thinking on, on um, you know, rigs and anti-jet rigs and trying. So, I call it the I call it the hooking to sucking ratio. Yeah. We've got a ratio where, you know, how many times has that fish, you've just caught a fish, you know, how many times has that fish sucked a hook bait, had a hook bait in its mouth in the last day, week, month, mm. Mm. Um, and how many times has it been hooked, um, you know, compared to that sucking ratio. So, you know, I just started to think I need a rig that's going to lower hooking to sucking, the sucking to hooking ratio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so that's
1: what. Uh, so what? What was back. your? So after after obviously observing all of that and and taking that information in, what was your next attack? You know, can you remember the next rig that you put back out into the water at that point?
2: Yeah, I can. I can because obviously I went home. And I'm thinking, right. I need to lower this this hooking to sucking ratios in my in my favor. So the only thing I could see that was happening was, as I just said, the the hook was turning around and he was leaving the carp's mouth once blown out and mm. first so i thought to myself well rather than try to invent the perfect rig that's going to give you one-on-one hooking to sucking ratio which i don't think that rig exists no you
1: know, um, no definitely you know, not no it,
2: it never will um, no and even then i thought i thought that you know that rig doesn't exist so the best you can do is try and lower, lower the ratio which was i thought well the hook's t- being turned around in the mouth. It's coming out bent first. So if I can use some sort of rig, that's going to stop that hook turning out. We can't stop the fish. We can't stop the fish blowing the hook out. But what I ca- have got control of is the way the hook leaves the fish's mouth.
0: Mm.
2: So I thought, well, if I can just stop the hook from being turned around, that will increase my 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 hook my hooking ratio. So I thought, well, I, well, how can I do that? You know, thinking about it. So. I eventually came up with this. Was before, the, obviously before the chart, before yep. anything like stiff, the stiff bristle filament that that, that we can use mm. in rigs at the minute. Back in those days, if you wanted to use anything stiff or semi stiff, you had to turn to um it amnesia, black yeah. or white. Amnesia. Yeah, yeah. That, I remember
1: amnesia very well. I caught my PB on amnesia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: still a good product now to be fair. Mm, it's not yeah. used that often, but yeah, still is. So. I just thought, right. Well, what I'll do is I will use a an amnesia section, which was the stiffest material I could get my hands on at the time. Right. Which would be, it was it was a, basically a combi link. Whereas a lot of lads um, in you know these days or in the past, they used to use a combi link the opposite way to I first used it. Mm. You had the amnesia section as as the majority of the of the whole length, and then maybe a supple section at two or three inch supple section at the end of the hook length. Yeah. Well, I did it the opposite way. I had a supple section majority of the hook length and then a two or three inch stiff section made out of the amnesia um, coming directly off the hook tied to the hook thoughts behind that were at least if if the fish suck it in it's got the long stiff section at the back of the hook coming Mm. off the eye Mm. well for the hook to turn around now the the, the cavity inside the mouth has got to be wider or, or longer than the length of stiff stiff section I've got coming off the back of my hook.
1: Got yeah. If all you
2: right. if you follow me, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was all I did. I thought I'll just stick with that. I'll just try and stop the hook being turned around. So I tied up quite a few rigs. Um as I say, soft, supple section, last two or three inch was was the amnesia. Um, it was it was fish as a pop up a bit like the old you know the the chug that that came along uh, after that. Yeah, did, was that. you
1: curving the amnesia at all, or was you just keeping no, it completely straight? Or
2: I just left it. I just left it completely straight. I thought, I'll, you know, I'll go back to the lake and I and I'll try that. So armed with these new rigs, I was back there. I don't know a week, ten days later, mm. same peg, same situation. Everything was actually the same. It was it was lo- it was a lovely sunny day. The fish got on this tree line whenever. You know, as as um, the lake got warm, I thought perfect. So I got in the peg, got my rigs out, full of enthusiasm. I thought, right, I'll, let's see how they can deal with this. So mm. I took the took the first rig out, exact same spot that I was getting done on the week before. Um, cast it out, put my bobbin on, made my way round to the to the to the spot where you can actually literally see what's going on. And as yeah. I was climbing out on on the branch, I heard beep 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 beep. <laughs> <laughs> literally the rod was away instantly I' not even got I didn't even get a chance to, to, to wow. see the bait to, to see the big weight was so I was quite sure getting back to the hooking to sucking ratio again I thought well you know that's not had time to do me 10 first times time, that must yeah have been a, that yeah
1: that's was, first that time, must have been bro. yeah
2: it must yeah. have been a one-on- one yeah so yeah brilliant I didn't even put any bait I, I, I literally that day I think I had about 10 fish and
0: I oh, I, wow.
2: I couldn't find the time really. A few oh. times but you know i was the evidence was that the fish were sucking my bait in and i was hooking them you know i don't know the average rate was one in ten maybe for, for most anglers You average rips yeah yeah that was the calculation i'd come to and i, I these 60 sections I think I must have brought it down to war three or maybe even better than that. Oh, wow. So, as I say, mate, yeah, it was like ever since then um, that, I'd spark, that I'd always, you know, got me thinking of rigs and fish feeding and, mm. you know. And, was you
1: doing anything so, on the hair section of, of the hook? You, did you have a little ring ring on there or was you using like a bit of silicon to hold it in place or was it just amnesia through and then a supple hair or, or what?
2: Yeah, it was it was amnesia. Stre- I mean, it was it was basically an er- early version of the chod. Um, it was a, it was an am- amnesia tied last section, and then just the the extra length of amnesia was just double back, just like you do now with the chod rig, double back.
1: Right. So with a d- the little D on the back. Right. Nice.
2: A little a little D on the back. Yeah, and it was all fish. You know, critically balanced, very slow sinking. Um, it just settled and rested, and obviously, I think at then the fish had not really seen many. Sort of stiff hinge type. Yeah. Was was
1: was the, the was the hook sat sort of like upright in a claw position, or was it lying flat on the bottom of the lake bed? Or
2: no, it it, it was a pop up rig. So yeah, right, it was so it was all, sat
1: upright, sort of thing. Right, it, got you. It was it, it
2: it was sat upright. Yeah, I mean, I did go on years later to to modify the rig and start using it be bottom baits, and still again. um you know, I caught quite a few fish using it on, on bottom baits. And since then, you know, as I said, most of my fish, and I always think about rigs, especially if you come, you know, if, you, if you're fishing a, a water, you know, that you consider to be a riggy water mm, or a mm. bit circuit water, water that's seen a lot of anglers, a lot of good anglers, um, you know, that's really where you need to really start thinking about, you know, your rig rig mechanics. Um, and even up to present day, that has evolved for me. And 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 there's a rig. I'm not sure if you're familiar. Actually, there's a rig that I quite a few lads, especially northwest lads, know me for using. It. They call it Rogers rig, and it's it's a rig that if I'm going to a, a really tricky um, water where you you know you, the fish are really clued up, it, mm. you know, it's a pop up pop up rig that um, that I always go in with my first attack. That's what I use.
1: Right. Okay. Um, well, that was going to be my next question. You know, if you if you if you're about to step up onto a lake where I e consider it um, riggy, then yeah, what is your going in with at first rig? Then, um, if you don't mind shedding no, that uh, light to us, not, all. Not, not not at all, mate.
2: I'll even I'll even send you a picture of it. Um, yeah, that would be cool. After. Yeah,
1: we'd love to put it up yeah, on our Insta. Yeah, yeah that'd be great. Um,
2: well, it's quite hard to explain, but it is. It's basically a pop-up rig that um, the D comes down and attaches to the hook length, anything from one to four inches below the eye of the hook. Mm-hmm. So when the fish, so when the fish do eject, um, you know, blow the bait out again, um, that bait then flies down. Yes, yeah. this, this, the D, the D, and once it hits the bottom, it then pulls the hook out again, point first. Mm. Um, the beauty being the actual D is made of stiff material. So not only does the D allow the hook bait to travel well past the eye, pull the eye, pull the, the hook out, point eye, eye and point first, but it also acts as that stiff section which doesn't allow the hook to be turned round in that in the mouth. So even if the fish doesn't blow it out, if it moves, you know, and turns the hook length, then again. The hook will be pulled out I and point first, right. so it sort of serves serves, serves two sort of areas of, of rig mechanics that I like to get covered. Yeah, yeah, I know, you know I know rig. what
1: I know what rig you mean. I know exactly what rig you mean. I have seen it before as well. It's not something I've tried myself, but looks but looks a good bit it's something well worth trying. Definitely.
2: Yeah, it's a good rig, and, and the finished. I mean, the, the version now that I oh, I'll send you a picture of that. That's different, different material. All the rest of it for for many years. So what, sorry, what Rog, that that, that just
1: cut out. Then could you start that bit again for us, dude? It just cut out.
2: Oh, sorry, mate. Yeah. If, if it carries on, if it does, Carl again, let me know. I'll I'll change position. Okay, yeah, I, just, I, just, I was just saying that the rig that I took out, um, sort of like nowadays, it is. Um, you know, it's took me. It's took me probably fifteen years to tweak the rig and. Wow you know, and, and, and find the correct knot to attach the the, the, the stiff section to hook length. So, you know, there's, there's many, many years of, of tying knots and using different materials that have led to me getting to the to the point where I'm now with that particular rig. Mm. Yeah? Mm. But, you know, when you talk about rigs, what I do say to a lot of anglers on the bank is, you know... Um, if you start talking about rigs like you do, you know, you, yeah,
1: yeah, of course, you're fishing, yeah,
2: yeah. fishing yeah. next to someone and you, you know, when your rods are out, and you start talking about all sorts. And when you get onto the onto the rig subject, straight, you know, I do say to someone as well, are you fishing for movers or movers or shakers? movers or shakers or movers or, or, yeah, or yeah. always? You, you've really got to got to, you know, understand why you're using a particular rig. You know, are you using a, are you trying to catch the fish on the movement or are you trying to catch the fish on the on the on the blow or, or yeah. the anti jets. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, sometimes you'll just ask that basic question to, to to anglers and they'll sort of well you'll have that vacant look on your on the face and mm. really straight away they're not really thinking about how they try to catch a fish, rig mechanics and, and all the rest of it. You know, so which I 100%. think sets
1: sets the big fish anglers apart from, from your, your general anglers that are going to linear and this, that and the other, to be honest with you. The guys that are thinking about things like this that you're talking about, you know, they are big fish anglers that have caught many, many big carp. Um, and would you say that, you know, a, a fish ejecting a rig is always going to hook, at, no matter whether it's a fish moving or not, that that you you're always putting the percentages on your half of the table as such by using a rig that's um going to hook them on eject every time
2: yeah yeah definitely it's like you know um don't get me wrong i don't i do not as i said earlier i don't think the rig's perfect i don't think um any rig is is, is perfect mm. but you know i I've, i I've, I've been on waters I mean one water that, that um springs to mind I fished Lynch Hill, um Christchurch Lake. Yeah, um, very riggy back.
1: water, yeah. It's always very in my riggy. Mouth. Yeah.
2: yeah, very riggy water. Um, you know, a lot of pressure on the water, angling pressure, good anglers fishing it. The fish are you know, I do love I love fishing lakes like that. I mean, generally. I mean I fish in Grenville at the minute, that's my main syndicate, and mm. that is not one of that is not one of them waters. No. As it happens, I've just I have just got a ticket for um Lynch and it's gone back to Syndicate or it, it, it will has. be when it
0: yeah, yeah. when
2: it reopens. And but the first time I ever fished there, it was quite late on in the year. Um, like it was Novemberish. Um, a lot of the lads had switched to maggots on there. They've not been a fish court on Boilies for four or five weeks. Um I went down there with just Boilies, you know, everyone was saying, "Have you got maggots with you? Have you got maggots with you?" I said, "No, I've never even used maggots." Well, you're not getting a bite. Mm. Um, so I just, you know, I-, I fished my style with that rig that we've just been talking about, and I think the me had been the, what I cast out as it was going dark, and four hours later, I had a bite. <laughs> um, and you know, some of the some of the hook holds I've had with. with that particular rig, honestly, you, they need to be seen to be believed. That you, the hook is so far down the fish's into the fish's mouth. You know, right. often, often you've got to use, I've got to use forceps to get to get the hook out. Yeah, yeah. And that just that and that and that just tells me, you know, when the fish sucks it in as far back as the as, as the bait goes. And I mean, on some fish, it might go. It, it probably does go further than others. But as soon as the fish is attempted to blow it out, at that point it's hooked it. Mm. So I'd really know, seeing it, you know, having to get forceps out, so, you know, for a hook that I can't reach, I just, yeah, it's up. just, every time I see it, I'm thinking, yeah, that's done its job, make exactly up. as a, as I wanted it to.
1: Yeah. So talk us through the rig then, Roger. What what are you using material-wise, hook, bait-wise, um, hook size, going to proper punish you about this, about this rig <laughs> now, because everyone's going to want to know.
2: Well, what I use, um, what I used for quite a few years was um just a wide gate a wide gate hook. Um really quite big, size four. Um obviously um I do get my hooks now off Riggit Tackle, Lee, Lee from from Riggit Tackle, which yep. is a Manchester based um, terminal tackle company. He just does sharpen hook and stuff. But before I was getting my hooks off him, I was just using the size four quarter wide gaps. Right. Um so obviously I was I was using that. Any sort of any sort of supple supple coated braid was the main part of the hook link. Um, I have just in the last sort of season or two, I've been using really long hook links, and the coated section, I've been having a stiffer coated section as I could find, right. really stiff. Right. Um, yeah. The thoughts The thought behind the, the the real stiff section was, if you can imagine the. I would have coming from my lead clip, I would have sort of eight, six to eight inches of stripped supple braid. Mm-hmm. then I would have four inches coming towards the hook now, four to six inches of coated braid, which was very stiff. you know it would it would literally stand up on its own if you if you held it out. it's, mm. it's that stiff. Um, and then I would have another four inches of suppleness, and then obviously on the end of that would be my long d section hook and blowback rig right um the theory behind that is i would fish it all really slow sinking critically balanced and if if i was casting that over any sort of area that um other anglers might use a chod you know you see fish showing not quite sure what the what the lake bed is like out there yeah so anglers would normally would normally choose a chod in that sort of situation i would just use a really long hook like that so um, you'd cast it out, obviously, sink it all down, you'd feel your bump. And then, because it's all critical balance, and the, the actual hook length itself is probably getting on for 18 inches now, it's quite, quite a long one. Wow, run.
1: that um, nice.
2: Yeah, that would then really slowly until the stiff section, the bottom of the stiff section, would make contact with the lake bed. Mm. And then that would then stand up almost straight, and then it would fall over and push the, the hook, the rig away from away from the lead right so if, if you know what i mean yeah you
1: know i mean yeah 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 i'm sure a picture of this like like you said if we can get a picture from yourself would um would would paint a better picture for other people but I, yeah, I, I get exactly what you mean definitely
2: yeah so you know using that rig that's you know that's what i I've cast on to showing fish um you know just just totally confident you know if you're fishing the you know the sort of method where you're sticking sticking baits out, just sort of like random sticking boilers all over the place. Mm. That's what I would, that's what I would cast out there, mate.
1: And what, what's that rig caught you since using it, Roger? I know you've caught many big oh, carp in your time. I but... have,
2: I have literally, it's caught me, it's caught me, I've lost count. I, I really have lost count with the amount of fish. And even, it, even if I'm fishing a water where it's not really what you'd consider to be a riggy water, mm you know, I've got that many of them rigs tied up now. I just use it because I just think, well, you know, if it's not a riggy water, it, you know, it, it's still gonna, it's still gonna give me the edge on other anglers around, other anglers around me. Mm. Um, and even on, even on these, what you'd call not, you know, not riggy waters, fish are still doing that. I believe fish are still doing anglers day in day out. Yeah, you know, they build up, they build up a confidence that they can. This is every angler's got, you know, a different a, a different opinion, but. I really do believe that when you make a mistake, not the easier waters.
1: Yeah, don't.
2: yeah, definitely. All st- the time,
1: you're still going to get the B ones, B twos of linear and whatnot. Fish that don't see the bank on there, aren't you? You know, every water's got to have the you know them fish that that don't visit the bank very often. Yeah,
2: yeah, definitely. You know, so even fishing then type of waters, you know, it still gives you an edge. And, you know, but then if you move on to the harder waters, like, you know, I did fish probably the hardest water I have ever fished. When you're talking, the reason being the fish themselves are super cute.
0: Hmm.
2: Um, I would probably say um, Kevin Nash Cops Lake, which is probably the smallest water I've ever fished. It is absolutely tiny. Yeah. And, you know, it's quite a common... It's a common thing you'll hear, especially with experienced anglers that have been fishing for a long time. Generally, and there is exceptions to the rule. The smaller the water gets, the harder mm-hmm. it becomes to try and catch to try and catch the fish in there. Um, and Nash Cox Lake was it, it, it was no different. It was it was by far the hardest lake I, I have ever fished. It, 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 was, it was it I don't even know how big it is. It's really small. It probably had five or six fifties in there at the time. Right um you know 10 or 12 40s quite a lot of fish that are bred in there um you know from from egg kevin had never stopped a, a fish in there no. i believe lower than 25 30 right um yeah it was it was it was really hard so obviously when i got when i got the opportunity to fish there um, you know, I just straight away jumped it and already even before I'd even seen the place I thought, yeah, I'm gonna take my rig there because they are super cute fish and they've yeah. probably not seen what I'm gonna what I'm gonna give them." and it'll be really interesting to see, you know, how the fish respond to it and, and exactly what, you know, what I do catch um using that rig on there.
1: Mm. And went and smacked the wood carving, I believe. <laughs> that...
2: Yeah, eventually caught the wood carving. Um but
1: you know, I, I, I can't really, wouldn't be. It was... Sorry, Roger, I've lost you, dude. Are you there?
2: Hello, mate. Hello, mate.
1: Sorry, I lost you there for a moment.
2: Yeah, sorry about that. I've just, just moved position, actually, because if it keeps um, keeps cutting out. Yeah, the, the cops, late, mate, it was. When, um, when me and Jamie fished it, Kevin was actually, you know, you could pay to fish the lake. Um, I think had anglers on there every week from April through to October, right. um, fishing from Monday to Friday. He rested the lake on the weekend, um, but there was somebody on there, good anglers as well, were fishing it every week from April to October. And I think the, the, the month that me and Jamie took it over, um, when the fishing stopped on there, it had fished it had been fished all year and i think seven fish had been caught from oh, april to wow. October. wow is that um, it? it had been seven carp caught so that gives you a bit of a yeah. indication of you know and, and some of the anglers that were fishing it you know there, were, there was lads that were getting invites from bait companies there was you know well-known yeah anglers, yeah yeah you know were um were pitting their wits against these fact these fish and you know the fact that seven had been caught, it just said to me, "Oh my God, this is going to be all right." Mm. Test. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know things did change. Me and Jamie had the place to, to ourselves, which you know obviously only makes things easier because yeah. you know you're fishing, you're fishing from the Monday to the Friday. You're leaving Friday. You are baiting up spots, and and the fish are being left on it. So it, so it wasn't as as difficult as it as it was previously for them anglers that 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 were paying to fish there. Um, but even so, it was still. It was still super hard. Yeah, you know, you, mate. You
1: yeah, I mean, there's many, 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 many nights, you know, and they would have been filled every one of them nights, wouldn't they, from the, the Monday to Friday with <laughs> anglers, with you know, with rigs in the water. So, you know, for only seven to be caught in, what, six months, seven months?
2: Yeah. Unreal. yeah. It, it, it completely blew me away. Um, You know, when we went on there, you know, you'd, you'd have a walk around, you'd see anglers baits in holes in the weed. Um, there was bait not being eaten. You know the fish were com- completely, completely aware they were being fished for. If they saw shadows or disturbance, they'd just go to ground. You know. I think um, if I remember rightly, actually, I think Jace and um, is um, did DNA have DNA got a lad called Mick that fished for him.
1: Uh, Mick might, Price, maybe. It. Mick Price might have... Um...
2: Yeah, mate, it, it might have been him, because I think they might have been the last lads to fish it before we took over. Right. And um, they did catch a fish, actually. I think they had a mid-40 out. But as I say, they were on the week before we fished it, and, and they did catch one fish. That was fish number seven for that year. Right. And then um, and then we took over. But, yeah, the, the fish in there, mate, fish were incredible. They were there, mm. but... Trying, to, trying to catch him with a completely um, different,
1: different animal. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: So, so what did you end up having out of there then, Rog? In the end, uh, in the end, um,
2: in the end, I thought me and Jamie between us, caught caught them all. All the all the known sort of like 40-pussies 40, 40 and and bigger. Yeah. Um, you, you know, we started obviously. Started early spring when we when, when we weren't seeing fish. Eventually, when the water started to warm up a bit, you know, we started to hear the odd bosh out through the night. It was all in the edge fishing, predominantly. You know, it was, you know, your long rod on there would be three wraps, three wraps out. <laughs> you, know? Yeah. you know, compared to Grenville now where it's thirty-five wraps. All, <laughs> yeah, yeah, more. you could
1: add another digit to that. Yeah,
2: yeah. So eventually, you know, it was all spot fishing you know, trying to find areas where these feed. Um, I introduced my rig there, which did, you know, I did do really well on my rig. I think I caught my first sort of six fish that I caught were, were using my, I mm. well, all of the six, I have to use the force Um,
1: sorry, Roger lost again, you, you again. Then mate, say that again from when you put your rig, your rig.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think what from when I started using the rig, I think I had six fish on the rig straight away. Right. Um, and I think four of them I had to use four sets again to to <laughs> unhook the fish. So so the, so they were just having the rig and it was nailing them quite quite quickly. You know, mm. I mean, obviously, if fish have not seen anything like that, it's like I I sort of use. If I try and explain it to people, I just say you know if if you've got a, a house burglar, someone that burgles houses professionally. Um, and they are completely confident that any sort of security system or alarm system that they might come across, yeah. um, that they might come across, they, they they can disable it. So they enter these properties and they do it with no caution whatsoever because they're quite confident that oh, well, if the alarm goes off, I'll just deal with it. Yeah, that's that's the way I sort of look at these fish. You know, that's the way right. the f- I think the the, the the fish are treating your area when they come across it. Oh, I know there's going to be a hook here somewhere. But you know, if I do suck it in, I'll blow it out just like I did that one this morning or right, last night, yeah, yeah, and course. and that's what they do. So you try and use their confidence against them. Right. That's That's why I try yeah, to do. Yeah, great way so, of so,
1: thinking. Yeah, great way of thinking. Yeah,
2: yeah. So so if if you if you try and use the confidence against them, then one thing you do know is super confident. So what does that mean? That means they will probably suck anything in. You don't mm. have to have really thin, You know thin. Thin line or tiny hooks, because they're not they're not really bothered about that. You know, they're not confident. They'll suck anything in and, and they'll get away with it. So, if you're thinking down them lines, then you can make anything. I mean, look, you know, if it comes to present day now, look at the Ronnie rig that everyone's yeah. really sort of like yeah, a yeah, very yeah. popular rig. It's not really a finesse rig, is it? You know, it's got no. metal on it. It's, it, it. it's a big hook, but it's super effective, and you know, a really a really good rig. So you know, if if you're confident they'll suck anything in, then you can you can give them anything. So don't worry about what your rig's made up of, how big your hook is, or anything like that. Let them suck it in, and it's with my rig that I use that I think that they suck it in, and then they just try and treat it like anything else. No no problem. I'll I'll, I'll try and blow it out, and that's where the odds then change in your favour because yeah. they're losing control. They're now no longer in control, and as soon as they start to lose control of a situation, you know, that's when the odds in the ang- in the angler's yeah, favour start, yeah. start, 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 that, start to rise.
1: And I suppose with that rig, they're getting pricked, like, far back in the mouth, which they wouldn't be used to as well, which would no doubt put them in panic mode from the get-go.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly, mate. You know, they, they get the prick. It, it, it's, they're probably being pricked a bit you know, further back than they are used to. Yeah. But I still believe on it. I have seen fish... Suck that rigging at close quarters. I've seen them do it many times over the years. But even even when they do that with a rig like that, the first reaction is still not to just you know oh, bolt out yeah, the area. Yeah. You know they will still try because you know you can imagine you know where fish are feeding in weed and, and they're picking up twigs or stones. Yeah, they probably still are experienced of you know t- trying to eject something and it doesn't come out first time. That's still not a cause for concern for them straight away you know it's like oh uh, so i've seen them suck it in i attempt to blow it out you know it's not really happened or, or or it. a couple of times i've seen it actually get ejected and and if i'm losing a tall one of my rigs i've seen the bait come out of the rig but the hook's still in there it's still it's pricked yeah, and yeah. at that point at that point they'll, they'll 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 not try and blow they'll think oh i need to go to, to level two i'm gonna shake i'll shake my head i'll try and get you know and and they try and get it out that way it doesn't come that's when they start to move. That's when the hook then straightens up. They feel the yeah, weight of the leg, yeah. Yeah. and 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 the hook point gets pulled home, and that's when they do bolt. Yeah,
1: and I suppose they haven't got the 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 weight of the hook bait there to help them get rid of that as well. Which I suppose when they go into shake mode, that's what they're using, is that the exactly. weight of the hook bait to obviously get rid of get rid of the the hook from the mouth. So. Yeah, fascinating, very fascinating, especially yeah, when you get into seeing it.
2: I definitely. Yeah, mean, I mean, I was actually, I was making some rigs up last night, and I was, I was looking, I was looking at the at the, at the rig. It was quite a tall one because I sometimes if it's tall or or short ones, and um, when the when the bait does get blown and and he goes down the long stiff D. Um, and it stops at the point where where that D is attached to the hook length, be it one inch or four inches below the mm. eye of the hook. Mm. What happens then is the buoyant the buoyant point the buoyant part of the rig has now been reversed. So you've got your pop up, yeah, of at
0: course. the back of your D. Yeah, and
2: then what happens? What naturally happens then is, especially if you've got a big heavy hook. Um, so I do tend to use the X's now with a bit of this, you know a, a, a wider gauge, making the hook heavier the hook just naturally then just drops Goes, down. It just pivots and, and yeah, falls
1: straight down. Of course which it is does, exactly yeah. what, Which is exactly what you want. Yeah, mega, mega. Uh, mate, that's uh, very fascinating there on the rig side of things, definitely. And it's nice to have someone like yourself explain something like that to, um, to our listeners, of course. Now, moving on from that, um, how much does bait, you know, um, come into your angling, as in is it as important as a a rig like what you're you've just explained sort of thing
2: um with bait again you know it all depends on on the type of water that that you're fishing um you know everybody knows that you know i've been fishing grenville for four four or five years now Mm. and you know i would say bait on grenville is is on or on a grenville type of water is very important but it's not so much, you know, using something different to the, you know, to the man next door, or you know, the latest bait. As long as a really good quality bait um, on waters like Grenville, um, and obviously I, I'm a DNA man, um, you know. But there is, you know, as, as you know, there's quite there's, there's a lot of good companies out there yeah, that, that can kind of supply yeah. anglers mm. with good bait. With Grenville, it's more it's more the amount of bait I found quantity, more the yeah. amount of bait it's yeah. more the quantity with Grenville you know it's Grenville's got a lot of fish in it you know mm. a lot of really really big fish especially at the minute I mean it have. at the minute it could have I don't know between 2 and 8 60s um, <laughs> and a, a couple of them 60s could could be near 70 at the minute wow um, so yeah it, you, know, you know a lot of bait on Grenville suits the style of fishing i do on grenville is is i do put a lot of bait in Mm. um you know i tend to i tend to make a decision before i go to the lake as to you know peg i'm gonna fish conditions um a lot of the time the weather will dictate i'm quite fortunate really you know because i can go fishing when i want so the weather will dictate when i go grenville and i tend to really try and time my start of my session for a new wind, or a change in wind conditions. Right. You know, you know, because on big waters we all know that. You know, the fish do respond to changes in wind direction. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I will, I will go there on, on on a change that's predicted or just happened, and I will tend to put quite a lot of bait in, sit tight, and hopefully the fish will 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 move on to me, and then, you know. Clubbing from then on, yeah.
1: So you're doing which, a bait and yeah. weight approach there, isn't you? You know, that's 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 the type yeah. of approach you're going with at Grenville. Yeah, it, it is it
2: is a bait and weight approach, but that can make it sound that really, that description can make it sound as it's just a simple case of yeah, chucking uh, a
1: load of bait in, and uh, yeah, that when yeah. they come along, you're going to smack them. But that's yeah, not the case at all, of course. not somewhere, bang the load of the bait in,
2: <laughs> and, and, and the fish, will, and the fish will come. And that isn't the case at all. You know, no, you know, well, it's
1: you, seventy you it, something acres. Is that right? Am I right? Yeah, is... it's, it, it's seventy two acres, and, a, and you've probably got
2: ten acres in the middle of a lake that never sees never sees a hopper and the fish are always mm. out there. Mm. um so as I say, you know, it's not just a case of sling baiting. You know, you got to, you got to think a lot about where you put it. You know, whether it's time of year, depth of water, um, you know, conditions. So you know, I have, I have made. Don't get me wrong, I've made a few wrong decisions. You know, I have put bait in. in in pegs waiting for 24 hours 48 hours and the fish have not turned up and i've and had to leave mm. you know and more often than not sooner or later in, in the in the week or 10 days after the fish do end up on that bait, and, and it all gets eaten yeah yeah you know it, it all gets i mean the fishing if, if if you get fish move over you you could possibly have a couple of hundred fish with an average weight of 30 to 35 pound come over your spot yeah, mental um you know so when people are saying You've used how much this session? I mean, my last session on Grenville, you know, before the lockdown, I, I had 10 fish and I used 40, 45 kilo of bait, Yeah, you know, in, ma- in March, which I will agree, it sounds, it does sound like a lot of bait, but, you know, the fish do come over you and yeah, they will,
1: they will clear the air. There's in there. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 you had a 50-pounder, is that right? And, and like, say, so nine other fish is... <laughs>
2: yeah yeah you know and and I, I could have really used more bait you know I, I put my bait out generally in the mornings and the fish do do seem to respond to the bait on there i mean one of the one of the days what what I caught fish there was there was bait being put in on top of the fish and they had a bit a by while that bait was was being introduced wow so so you know it does show that you know don't underestimate i think a lot of anglers especially the you know the um, younger anglers, they they think that you know five k bait is, or well, you know I'll take five k bait for a for a weekend session, and mm. you know all things being considered, you know they do eat a lot of you know a lot of bait, the yeah, first, especially yeah. especially on a lake like Grenville. Yeah.
1: Which I know uh, uh, when you say that, I, I straight away know that people are going to get upset with the fact that you're using. 40 kilos of bait. Oh, we're not all able to use 40 kilos of bait and, you know, we can't afford it and this, that and the other. But, you know, at the same time, um, I'm sure if we all still had to pay for the bait, you would still want to take that amount of bait with you. Is that right?
2: Well, yeah, of course I would, and, and don't get me wrong, I would be the first to admit that I'm in a, you know, and, and I am in a quite a really fortunate position to to get my bait off 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 DNA. Yeah. And anybody else that's got a bait deal that can get bait, you know, for mm-hmm. nothing or or a discounted rate. And yeah. When you are fishing, when you are fishing a lake like Grenville, that does make a difference. There's, there's, there's no doubt that I have got an edge on on the angler next door that might only be able to afford to use yeah. five or ten key, mm. ten key over, over, over a session, you know, but that's just the way it is. You know, I fished for a long time and, and for a lot of them years, I wasn't getting bait, you know, at, at a heavily discounted rate. Mm. And even if I wasn't getting bait, you know, discounted and I was fishing a lake like then, but I would still probably not fish as often. I would choose to not fish as often. Yeah, I would, and I, I, I would choose to, you know, to, to stop my bait open when yeah. I think I've got enough <coughs> for whatever session, then um, I will take it and use it. Even if I go elsewhere, um, you know I always bring my bait home with me. Anything that's that that's fresh, I'll just refreeze it, and it will go into a separate freezer. Mm. Um, you know, it's still it's still fine. It's, yeah. you know, it's only been thawed out once. It's still got the nutritional value to it. It's yeah. completely perfect. Yeah. But that would go into my what I call my Grenville freezer, and that would. That, that, that is bait that only gets used at Grenville and I try and stock it up and get you know stock it up during the colder months and when I go to Grenville I'll make sure I take enough what I think you know to to be able to do the job and, and fish the way the way I want to fish yeah 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 definitely
1: fascinating mate it's been absolutely awesome to have you on and especially talking about the rig side of things uh, has been really fascinating not only for myself but I'm sure for the listeners as well dude um yeah, really, real great food for thought there, definitely for a lot of our guys listening to this. I'm sure. Um, well, I was a little bit, um,
2: I was a little bit apprehensive about doing it, but um, yeah, I've enjoyed it. I'm just looking at my phone now. I've been you know, like an hour and eleven minutes. <laughs> I so know. I really can't believe it's gone that quick. That many, that many things I've got on my piece of paper here that I really wanted to discuss, and Mate. one of them was it's mozzarella.
1: Ah, he's cut out. Wait? Sorry, you oh, cut sorry. out, then. It's gone.
2: Sorry, mate. Yeah, I'm just saying um, our time's gone really fast and I've got that many questions that we wanted wanting to discuss. Maybe we'll have another time. Another this is, yeah, to do mate,
1: it. I'll definitely get you back on for without a doubt. Definitely. My missus is um, chomping at the bit to go and uh, go out somewhere at the minute and if she goes, my children will kick off. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no worries
2: then, Mazza. Well, whenever you're ready, mate, I'm more than happy um, to do another one with you. Oh, it'd be fascinating! It, yeah.
1: uh, what would be nice is for perhaps some of our listeners to sort of punch some questions back our way about, especially about this rig. It'd be lovely to get that photo from you so we can post it up so people can see it, and then get you back yeah, on and yeah. perhaps talk a little bit more in depth about rig and bait side of things as well. Would be really cool. Yeah, yeah, good idea, mate.
2: Yeah, if you get the um, get the listeners to post to post any questions Yeah, that'd be that, great. you know, anything they want to know, and we can cover it maybe on the next one.
1: Top man, thank you, Roger. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on, buddy.
2: All oh, like right, Mother, you take care, mate. Thanks, Thanks.
1: mate. Stay safe.